Every, if y'all could do me a favor, man, like send this to at least three of your friends, three to five of your friends. Get them in here. Send this to at least three or five of your friends. Get them in here. Let's see. We live on Twitch. Yep, we live on Twitch. Good. Facts. Facts. Send this to about three to five of your friends. Support Golden. I love it, man. Look, that's love. That's love right there. Comes God comes in mysterious ways. You hear me? <laughs> mysterious ways. <laughs> All right, make sure that's good. Come on. All right, we set. We set. We set. And right, let me go over my little spill right quick before I get into it. All right. All right, man. All right. All right. Let's get to the little spill before I even get into the vibes. No intro. We're going no intro. No intro video. You feel me? Just straight authentic. All right. Yeah, Zersky, peace, love, and light. It's the God, Lord Christos, the living survivor man. You're back with another download straight from the cosmos. Remember, someone has to see your greatness. Why not start with yourself? Stay blessed, always finesse. Definitely trust the most high's process, the true keys to success, right? The vibes here at SYG Studios is to motivate, educate, and enlighten our people on new ways to invest in themselves. Everything is high level. What we think, what we say, how we feel, and how we act. But before we even get into the energy, take the time to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Like, comment, share, and subscribe, all right? Also, what I want you to do, I want you to go ahead and scan this QR code, okay? Let's go ahead and scan this QR code up here. In the top left, right, wherever you view it, it's going to be in the top left or right. That's how you tap in with us in the SYG community via Discord, Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and much more. We love engagement over here and understand that it takes a village to push the tree and not just one individual. So the support is much appreciated. Um, our aim is to not only grow the RAM, but also reach at least 500,000. Yeah, I got big goals. 500,000 individuals who want me and are seeking the knowledge to live a more abundant life. Now, with all the information being provided, I do want to send out a quick disclaimer. Please take the time to do your own research. It's very vital. My content is intended to be used for motivational purposes only. Always do your own analysis based on your own personal circumstances. Definitely seek counsel with other professionals and verify information independently in connection with any investments made based on any information received in this show. Now, let's step into our God body energy. All as one. Inhale. Exhale. See your greatness. Now, let's get into the vibe. So today I wanted to get up here for episode five of the See Your Greatness show or See Your Greatness podcast, I want to do something a little different, man. I want to, uh, you know, tap into more of a uh, reading space, a reading space, right? I have so many books, you know what I'm saying? I have Think and Grow Rich. You know, I got The Circle of Fire by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. He's dope. You know what I'm saying? I got, you know, some, some, some crazy dope African sciences books, right? But today, 
But today I'm focused on reading the Alchemist. Y'all see that? Today I'm focused on reading the Alchemist by uh Paulo Colho. I hope I'm not messing his name up. But nonetheless, this is the 25th anniversary edition. Um, a few friends of mine, you know, just based off of you know the type of um person that I am, my human design and things of that nature, I was told that I needed to tap into this reading. Um, it that it would change my life actually. So that's what we're doing, you know. We're coming together as a family, you know what I'm saying? Let me get my camera right. Come on, we're coming together as a family, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna read together, we're gonna ask questions because that's that's one thing that I'm I'm real huge on is uh the family coming together to ask questions because we don't know what we don't know, right? So with all that being said, man, we're gonna we're gonna tap into this great read. And um, I hope it helps you. You know, I definitely feel like it's gonna help me in my journey of you know seeing my greatness. Um, and that's what this is all about, helping each other, you know, see our greatness so that we can be the best versions of ourselves. And once we become the best versions of ourselves, we're able to help other individuals become the best versions of themselves, right? So without further ado, let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and tap in. Um, for those who are new. Again, go ahead and hit that uh, link in the bio or hit that QR code. I'm going to put it back up here. Like, comment, share, subscribe, and follow the brand. You know what I'm saying? You can also donate towards the cause. You know, I'm I'm looking to expand to, to many areas, you know, many, many different countries, many different states and things of that nature and help where I can. You feel me? Um, I come from a, a, a space where... You know, there wasn't a lot of uh, community. You feel me? It was like everybody was for themselves. And I always felt felt and knew like that wasn't going to get us nowhere. You know, like you never you never saw a person really like doing it on his own. Right. And getting to the next level. It takes a team. It takes a conglomerate. It takes a community for us to do that. So let's go ahead and get into it. So today, again, we're reading The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um Let's, let's get into the vibe. Paulo uh, Coho's enchanting novel has inspired a devoted following around the world. This story, dazzling in its powerful simplicity and soul-stirring wisdom, is about an Andalus and Andalusian <laughs> Andalusian shepherd boy named Santiago who travels from his homeland in Spain to the Egyptian desert in search of a treasure buried near the pyramids. Along the way, he meets a gypsy woman, um, a man who calls himself king, and an alchemist, all of whom point Santiago in the direction of his quest. No one knows what the treasure is or if Santiago will be able to surmount the obstacles in his path. But what starts out as a journey to find worldly goods turns into a discovery of the treasure found within. Lush evocative um and deeply humane the story of santiago is an eternal testament to transforming power of our dreams and the importance of listening to our hearts i already know i'm gonna love this book you know what i'm saying i'm i'm huge on uh going within understanding yourself first right understanding yourself first rather so that you can be able to pour out what you've learned to the world what's up baby you're on live right now <laughs> trying to peek around the corner <laughs> trying to peek around the corner all right where we going okay these are um a lot of 
other individuals who are, you know, just saying that this book is is an amazing read. Yep. Uh, let's let's actually read that. Okay, we got we got Charlotte Zolato. The mystic quality in the odd adventures of the boy Santiago may bring not only him but others who read this fine book closer to recognizing and reaching their own inner destinies. Uh, we got Lynn Andrews. Um, Paulo gives you the inspiration to follow your own dreams by seeing the world through your own eyes and not someone else's. That's deep, man. Like, there's a lot of individuals that feel like they're living for other people instead of living for themselves. And it's like, you know, I'm going to give an analogy. One of my friends, you know, he had gave me a, a, a metaphor. He was like, imagine yourself on an airplane. It's you a toddler and an older uh like grandparent or something right and then you got this this person like jason on the airplane trying to harm you guys right and you know how when they say on the plane put your mask on first before you put someone else's mask on that's exactly what it was um that that's exactly what the metaphor stood for so he has said hey bro if you are in this situation you feel me who do you help first do you help the toddler or do you help the, the elder woman? And with me, you know, not thinking, I said, well, I'm going to first because we have already, you know, quote unquote, lived our lives and things of that nature. And he was like, no, you have to help yourself first. You are the most equipped. The toddler can't fight for itself. The older woman can't truly fight for herself. So you're the only person in that situation that is capable and able to defend you know you guys from jason you know in this in this plane right so you got to equip yourself with all the tools that you need first before you go in and, and and handle your business and i was like man like i feel like a lot of us do that you know i was just literally at a school you know mentoring kids and there was a subject that we taught on that that talked about care like caring for others and things of that nature and, you know, I was asking them, I was like, okay, so what does care mean to you? Well, caring for your dog or like caring for your parent or like caring for your friends and none of them in every grade. I mean, I'm going through every grade, K through five, right? Going through every grade. None of them had the, the uh, understanding of caring for themselves first so that they were able to even be able to care for all of the other people or entities and things of that nature that they said that they wanted to take care of. So that just let me know, man, like we need to truly work on understanding and caring for ourselves first before we try to reach out a hand and care for others. Right. And, you know, being selfish isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you have to be selfish, man. It's very important. All right. So let's go ahead. So we got, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead. Go ahead. We're going to read the foreword. All right. We're going to read the foreword. When The Alchemist was first published 25 years ago in the native Brazil, no one noticed. A bookseller in the north e northeast corner of the country told me that only one person purchased a copy the first week of its release. It took another six months for the bookseller to unload a second copy. And that was the same person who bought the first. Who knows how long it took to sell the third, right? By the end of the year, it was clear to everyone that the alchemist wasn't working. My original publisher decided to cut me loose and canceled our contract. They wiped their hands of the project and let me take the book with me. I was 41 and desperate, but I never lost faith in the book or ever wavered in my vision. Why? Because it was me in there 
all of me, heart and soul. I was living my own metaphor. A man sets out on a journey, dreaming of a beautiful or magical place in pursuit of some unknown treasure. At the end of his story, the man realizes the treasure was with him the entire time. I was following my personal legend and my treasure was my capacity to write. And I wanted to share this treasure with the world. As I wrote in The Alchemist, when you want something, the whole universe conspires to help you. I started knocking on the doors of other publishers, one open, and the publisher on the other side believed in me and my book and agreed to give The Alchemist a second chance. Slowly, through word of mouth, it finally started to sell. 3,000, then 6,000, then 10,000, by book by book, gradually throughout the year. Eight months later, an American visiting Brazil picked up a copy of The Alchemist in a local bookstore. He wanted to translate the book and help me find a publisher in the United States. HarperCollins agreed to bring it um, to bring it to an American audience, publishing it with great fanfare, as in the New York Times and influential news magazines, radio and television interviews. But it still took some time to sell. Slowly finding its audience in the United States by word of mouth, just as it did in Brazil. And then one day, Bill Clinton was photographed leaving the White House with a copy. That's deep. Then Madonna raved about the book to Vanity Affair. That's deep, right? Then Madonna raved about the book to Vanity Fair. And people from different walks of life, from Rush uh, Limbaugh and Will Smith to college students and soccer moms were suddenly talking about it. Also, Kobe Bryant, that's the per one of the main persons that got me on this book. That's one of my favorite people. Um, the Alchemist became a spontaneous and organic phenomenon. All right, The book hit the New York Times bestseller list, an important milestone for any author, and stayed there for more than 300 weeks. Wow. It has since been translated into more than 80 different languages. The most translated book by any living author and is widely considered one of the 10 best books of the 20th century. That's dope, man. People continue to ask me if I knew The Alchemist would be such a huge success. The answer is no. I had no idea. How could I? When I sat down to write The Alchemist, all I knew is that I wanted to write about my soul. I wanted to write about my quest to find my treasure. I wanted to follow the omens because I knew even that the omens are the language of God, right? Though the alchemist is now celebrating its 25th anniversary, it is no relic of the past. The book is still very much alive. Like my heart and like my soul, it continues to live every day because my heart and soul are in it. And my heart and soul is your heart and soul. I am Santiago, the shepherd boy in search of my treasure. Just as you are Santiago, the shepherd boy, in search of your own. The story of one person is the story of everyone. And one man's quest is the quest of all humanity, which is why I believe the alchemist continues all these years later to resonate with people from different cultures all around the world, touching them emotionally and spiritually equally without prejudice. I reread The Alchemist regularly, and every time I do, I experience the same sensations I felt when I wrote it. And here is what I feel. I feel happiness because it is all of me. 
and all of you simultaneously. I feel happiness too because I know I can never be alone. Whenever I go, people understand me. They understand my soul. This, this continues to give me hope. When I read about clashes around the world, political clashes, economic clashes, cultural clashes, I'm, I'm reminded that it is within our power to build a bridge to be crossed. Even if my neighbor doesn't understand my religion or understand my politics, he can understand my story. If he can understand my story, then he's never too far from me. It is always within my power to build a bridge. There is always a chance for reconciliation, a chance that one day he and I will sit around a table together and put an end to our history of clashes. And on this day, he will tell me his story and I will tell him mine. That was Paulo in 2014 when he wrote that foreword. That's deep, man. That's real deep in my opinion because I feel like this, again, can relate to all of us as he stated. Like, it doesn't matter what type of background you come from. You know, you have the ability to relate to other people through their story. Sometimes we essentially have the same story. You know what I'm saying? Not saying that we went through, the, through it in the same exact way, but when you actually pull it all together you'll see like damn you got the same trauma that i got like when you hook your mind up i and i you can do your research on this when you hook your mind up to these scans right there's like these e, i think it's like an ekg scan and it actually reads your brain right when you hook your mind up to it and say i hooked it up to my wife's mind right and mine simultaneously and we both have been through trauma the brain doesn't recognize trauma differently. It all registers the same. Like in the mind, it all is just going to say there's trauma there. Whether, you know, whether we went through something drastic or whether it was something that just was like hindering our growth over time, the mind registers trauma just the same. You feel me? So no matter what it is, it, it's hard for certain people to get out of that. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people, it's hard for them to get out of their own way. You know, you have to reprogram your mind to think differently, to walk differently, to speak differently. And only then will you be able to see differently, not only within yourself, but even within the world. Right. So that's deep that he said that. All right. Now let's go on ahead. We got the prologue translated by Clifford E. Landers. The alchemist picked up a book that someone um in the caravan had brought leafing through the pages he found a story about nar narcissus um the alchemist knew the legend of narcissus a youth who knelt daily beside a lake to contemplate his own beauty he was so fascinated by himself that one morning he felt and he fell into the lake and drowned at the spot where he fell a flower was born which was called the narcissus right and this is N-A-R-C-I-S-S-U-S, -S -S, right? Not like, not like a narcissist mentally, right? Um, but this was not how the author of the book ended the story. He said that when narcissists died, the goddesses of the forest appeared and found a lake, which had been fresh water transformed into a lake of salty tears. Why do you weep? The goddess asked. I weep for narcissists, the lake replied. Ah, it is no surprise that you weep for narcissists. They said, for though we always pursued him in the, hold on, 
go to the next verse. So for though we always pursued him in the forest, you alone could contemplate his beauty close at hand. But was Narcissus beautiful? The lake asked. Who better than you to know that? The goddesses sat in wonder. After all, it was by your banks that he knelt each day to contemplate himself. And that's like just looking at yourself in the mirror when you're, <laughs> I, I think of like, uh, what was it? The Lion King with Simba was trying to look at himself to see if he saw his father within him. He saw himself most of the time, but then he did finally see that, you know, his father within, um, within him as well. And it's just a reincarnation of his father. We are just reincarnations of our parents, parents and parents and parents and ancestors and however deep we want to go. Right. The lake was silent for one time. Finally, it said, I weep for Narcissus, but I never noticed that Narcissus was beautiful. I weep because each time he knelt beside my banks, I could see in the depths of his eyes, my own beauty reflected. What a lovely story the alchemist thought. And that's the picture, you know what I'm saying, of Narcissus looking at himself in the riverbank on the lake. All right. Moving into part one, moving into part one. I don't know how much I'm going to read while I'm on these lives, but we're just going to go with the vibe. So the boy's name was Santiago. Dust was falling as the boy arrived with his with his herd at an abandoned church. The roof had fallen in long ago and an enormous sycamore had grown on the spot where this. Uh, if I mess up some words. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, where the uh, Sacristy had once stood, uh, he decided to spend the night there. He saw to it that all the sheep entered through the ruined gate and then laid some planks across it to prevent the flock from wandering away during the night. There were no wolves in the uh, region, but once an animal had strayed during the night, and the boy had had to spend the entire next day searching for it. He swept the floor with his jacket and lay down, using the book he had just finished reading as a pillow. He told himself that he would have to start reading thicker books. They lasted longer and made more comfortable pillows. That's funny. It was still dark when he awoke, and looking up, he could see the stars through the half-destroyed roof. I wanted to sleep a little longer, he thought. He had he had had the same dream that night as a week ago, and once again he had awakened before it ended. He arose and, taking up his crook, began to awaken the sheep that still slept. He had noticed as soon as he awoke, most of his animals also began to stir. It was as if some mysterious energy bound his life to that of the sheep with whom he had spent the past two years, leading them through the countryside in search of food and water. They are so used to me they, that they know my schedule, he muttered. That's funny because my dog knows my schedule. I got a husky and he knows every single time when I'm about to get up. And it's weird. Even on the weekends, he be knowing that I'm going to sleep in late. It's funny. <laughs> All right, let's continue. Thinking about that for a moment, he realized that it could be the other way around, that it was he who had become accustomed to their schedule. Okay. But there were certain, um, but there were certain of them who took a bit longer to awaken. The boy prodded them 
um, one by one with his crook, calling each by name. He had always believed that the sheep were able to understand what he said. So there were times when he read them parts of his book that had made an impression on him or when he would tell them of the loneliness or the happiness of a shepherd in the fields. Sometimes he would comment to them on the things he had seen in the villages they passed. But before the past few days, he had spoken to them about only one thing, the girl, the daughter of a merchant who lived in the village they would reach in, reach in about four days. He had been in the village only once the year before. The merchant was the proprietor of a dry goods shop, and he always demanded that the sheep be sheared in his presence so that he would not be cheated. A friend had told the boy about the shop, and he had taken his sheep there. I need to sell some wool, the boy told the merchant. The shop was busy, and the man asked the shepherd to wait until the afternoon. So the boy sat on the steps of the shop and took a book from his bag. I didn't know shepherds knew how to read, said a girl's voice behind him. Excuse me. The girl was typical of the region of Andalusia, Andalusia, all right, with flowing black hair and eyes that vaguely recalled the Moorish conquerors. Uh, all right. Well, usually I lean, I learn more from my sheep than from books, he answered. You know what's wild? I was told that you can learn more from nature than you can from, you know, reading something or, or learning from people. Like nature will be your biggest classroom. And that was one of the deepest metaphors that anybody could ever give me. So let's continue. Um, during the two hours that they talked, she told him she was the merchant's daughter and spoke of life in the village where each day was like all the others. The shepherd told her of the Andalusian uh, countryside and related the news from other towns where he, where he had stopped. It was a pleasant change from talking to his sheep. How did you learn to read? The girl asked at one point, like everybody else learns, he said, in school. <laughs> well, if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? The boy mumbled an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. He was sure the girl would never understand. He went on telling stories about his travels and her bright Moorish eyes went wide with fear and surprise. As the time passed, the boy found himself wishing that they, that the day would never end. That boy just started, look, he didn't started falling in love with the eyes, the Moorish eyes. You heard? <laughs> At the as the time passed, the boy found himself wish, wishing that the day would never end, that her father would stay busy and keep him waiting for three days. He recognized that he was feeling something he had never experienced before. The desire to live in one place forever. I, look, he didn't look, he didn't got <laughs> she didn't got him now. He got him hypnotized. <laughs> with the girl with the raven hair, his days would never be the same again. But finally the merchant appeared and asked the boy to share four sheep. He paid for the wool and asked the shepherd to come back the following year. And now, look, the shepherd don't even know. You know what I'm saying? We 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 about to we about to pull up on his daughter. <laughs> and now it was only four days before he would be back in the same village. I told you, he was excited and at the same time uneasy. 
Maybe the girl had already forgotten him. You got to have more confidence in that, playboy. Lots of shepherds pass through selling their wool. It doesn't matter, he said to his sheep. I know other girls in other places. Oh, you a player, player. <laughs> but in his heart, he knew that it didn't matter. And he knew the shepherds, like seamen and like traveling salesmen, always found a town where there was someone who could make them forget the joys of carefree wandering. The day was dawning and the shepherd urged his sheep in the direction of the sun. They never had to make any decisions, he thought. Maybe that's why they always stay close to me. The only things that concerned the sheep were food and water. As long as the boy knew how to find the best pastures in Andalusia, right, they would be his friends. Yes, their days were, yes, their days were all the same with the seemingly endless hours between sunrise and dusk, and they never read a book in their young lives and didn't understand when the boy told them about the sights of the cities. They were, con they were con content with just food and water, and in exchange, they generously gave of their wool, their company, and once in a while, their meat. Oh, damn, you eating the shepherds, bro. You eating the sheep. If I became a monster today and decided to kill them one by one, they would become aware only after most of the flock had been slaughtered, thought the boy. They trust me, and they've forgotten how to rely on their own instincts because I lead them to nourishment. Hmm, I see where this is going. The boy was surprised at his thoughts. Maybe the church was with the sycamore growing with, from within and had been haunted. It had caused him to have the same dream for a second time, and it was causing him to feel anger toward his faithful companions. He drank a bit from the wine that remained from his diner of the night before, and he gathered his jacket closer to his body. He knew that a few hours from now, with the sun at its zenith, the heat would be so great that he would not be able to lead his flocks across the fields. It was the time of day when all of Spain slept during the summer, okay? The heat lasted until nightfall, and all that time he had to carry his jacket, but when he thought to complain about the burden of its weight, he remembered that because he had the jacket, he had withstood the cold of the dawn. We have to be prepared for change, he thought. And he was grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth. I got to read that again because I feel like that needs to resonate with a few of us, right? He said, we have to be prepared for change, he thought. And he was grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth. All right? The jacket had a purpose, guys. Hold on, people commenting. We ain't got time for no negative comments. Let's make sure we ain't got no negative comments over here. Uh, delete. Go ahead and delete that. We don't do negative comments over here, right? All right. Where was we at? We have to be prepared for change, he thought, and he was grateful for the jacket's weight and warmth. All right? The jacket had a purpose, and so did the boy. His purpose in life was to travel, and after two years of walking the Andalusian ter terrain, he knew all the cities of the region. He was planning on the visit to explain to the girl how it was that a simple shepherd knew how to read. 
There you go. He already thinking about it. That he had attended a seminary until he was 16. Okay. His parents had wanted him to be become a priest and thereby a source of pride for a simple farm family. They worked hard just to have food and water like the sheep. All right. He had studied Latin, Spanish, and theology. But ever since he had been a child, he had wanted to know the world. And this was much more important to him than knowing God and learning about man's sins. Mm. All right. All right. One afternoon on a visit to his family, he had summoned up the courage to tell his father that he didn't want to become a priest, that he wanted to travel. Man, I know that was hard. I know that was hard. Like, Who's ever had, you know, that 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 moment in life where they had to, you know, let their parent know what it was? You know what I'm saying? Especially growing up, you know, we, we get to a point to where we got to stand on our own tin. You know, it's, it's, it's not always easy, but, you know, my boy, my boy Santiago did it. All right. Let's continue. People from all over the world have passed through this village, son, said his father. They come in search of new things. But when they leave, they are basically the same people they were when they arrived. They climb the mountain to see the castle, and they wind up thinking that the past was better than what we have now. They have blonde hair or dark skin, but basically they're the same as the people who live right here. But I'd like to see the castles in the towns where they live, the boy explained. Those people, when they see our land, say that they would like to live here forever his father continued well i'd like to see their land and see how they live said his son the people who come here have a lot of money to spend so they can afford to travel his father said amongst us the only ones who travel are the shepherds well then i'll be a shepherd that's facts if that's where the bread is that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> his father said no more the next day he gave his son a pouch that held three ancient Spanish gold coins. I found these one day in the fields. I wanted them to be a part of your inheritance, but use them to buy your, we got, use them to buy your flock. Take to the field. Okay, so dad invested into his, in his dream. Okay, use them to buy your flock. Take to the fields and someday you'll learn that our countryside is the best and our women are the most beautiful. Sound like some nice chocolate women over there on that countryside. <laughs> and he gave the boy his blessings. The boy could see in his father's gaze a desire to be able to um, be able himself to travel the world. A desire that was still alive despite his father's having had to bury it over dozens of years under the burden of struggling for water to drink, food to eat, and the same place to sleep every night of his life. The horizon was Tinged with red and suddenly the sun appeared. The boy thought back to the conversation. Oh, aren't we? Well, we just up here. The boy thought back to that conversation with his father and felt happy he had already seen many castles and met many women, but none the equal of the one who awaited him several days hence. He owned a jacket, a book that he could trade for another, and a flock of sheep. But most important, he was able every day to live out his dream. If he were the tire of the Andalusian right, fields, he could sell his sheep and go to sea. 
By the time he had had enough of the sea, he would already have known other cities, other women, and other chances to be happy. I could have found God in the seminary, he thought, as he looked at sunrise. Let me um let me go ahead and tell IG that I'm still live. Just uh, create I live now live on Twitch, YouTube, and Face Facebook. Let's go ahead and post that. Uh, actually, I can post the link right here. Hold on, family. Hold on to me. HTTPSKTR.de for SYT Studio 5. Sci fan, click with another link below. All right, we're good. Let's go ahead and let them know. I just had to let them know because my phone died. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, read that. All right, here we go. Whenever he, whenever he could, he sought out a new road to travel. He had never been to that ruined church before, in spite of having traveled through those parts many times. The world was huge and inexhaustible. He had only to allow his sheep to set the route for a while. He would discover other interesting things. The problem is that they don't even realize that they're walking a new road every day. They don't see that the fields are new and the seasons change. All they think about is food and water. Maybe we're all that way, the boy mused. Even me, I haven't thought of other women since I met the merchant's daughter. Wow, that's how I felt when I met my wife, man. Uh, I'm here with you, son. Hey, mom. Hey, I'm reading The Alchemist right now. It's a good read so far. Um, Maybe we're all that way, the boy mused. Even me, I haven't thought of other women since I met the merchant's daughter. Looking at the sun, he calculated that he would reach uh, Tarifa before midday. There he could exchange his book for a thicker one, fill his wine bottle, shave, and have a haircut. He had to prepare himself for his meeting with the girl. <laughs> I see you, Santiago. He had to meet, uh, prepare himself for the meeting with the girl and he didn't want to think about the possibility that some other shepherd with a larger flock of sheep had arrived there before him and asked for her hand. It's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting, he thought, as he looked again at the position of the sun and hurried his pace. He had suddenly remembered that in Tarifa, there was an old woman who interpreted dreams. All right. He on pace. He going to get his woman. I, tell, I hear you. I hear you, Santiago. The old woman led the boy to a room at the back of her house. It was separated from her living room by a curtain of colored beads. The room's furnishings consisted of a table, 
an image of the sacred heart of Jesus, and two chairs. A woman sat down and told him to be seated as well. Then she took both of his hands in hers and began to quietly pray. It sounded like a gypsy prayer. The boy had already had experience on the road with gypsies. They also traveled, but they had no flocks of sheep. People said that gypsies spent their lives tricking others. It was also said that they had a pact with the devil and that they could kidnap children and taking them away to their mysterious camps made them their slaves. That's wicked. As a child, the boy had always been frightened to death that he would be captured by gypsies, and this childhood fear returned when the old woman took his hands in hers. But she had the sacred heart of Jesus there, he thought, trying to reassure himself he didn't want his hand to begin trembling, showing the old woman that he was fearful. He recited in awe, father silently very interestingly said the woman never taking her eyes from the boy's hands and then she fell silent the boy was becoming nervous his hands began to tremble and the woman sensed it he quickly pulled his hands away i didn't come here to have you read my palm he said already regretting having come he thought for a moment that it would be better to pay her fee and leave without learning a thing that he was giving too much importance to his recurrent dream. You came so that you could learn about your dreams, said the old woman, and dreams are the language of God. When he speaks in our language, I can interpret what he has said, but if he speaks in the language of the soul, it is only you who can understand. Wow, that's deep. I got to read that over. You came so that you could learn about your dreams, said the old woman. And dreams are the language of God. When he speaks in our language, I can interpret what he said. But if he speaks in the language of the soul, it is only you who can understand it. But whichever it is, I'm going to charge you for the consultation. <laughs> I, I, she's still about her business. <laughs> Another trick, the boy thought, but he decided to take a chance. A shepherd always takes his chances with wolves and with drought, and that's what makes shepherds' life exciting. I have had the same dream twice, he said. I dreamed that I was in the field with sheep when a child appeared and began to play with the animals. I don't like the people to do that because the sheep are afraid of strangers, but children always seem to be able to play with them without frightening them. I don't know why. I don't know how animals know the age of human beings. Tell me more about your dream, said the woman. I have to get back to my cooking, and since you don't have much money, <laughs> I can't give you a lot of time. The child went on playing with the sheep for quite a while, continued the boy, a bit upset. Of course I would. It seems like she just about her bread, right? And suddenly the child took to uh, took to took me by both hands and transported me to the Egyptian pyramids, okay? He paused for a moment to see if the woman knew what the Egyptian pyramids were, but she said nothing. Then at the Egyptian pyramids, he said the last three words slowly so that the old woman would understand. The child said to me, if you come here, you will find a hidden treasure. I and just as she was about to show me the exact location, I woke up both times. The woman was silent for some time. Then she again took his hands and studied them carefully. 
I'm not going to charge you anything now, she said, but I want tenth of the treasure if you find it. <laughs> the boy laughed out of happiness. He was going to be able to save the little money he had because of a dream about hidden treasure. Okay. Well, interpret the dream, he said. First, swear to me, swear that you will give me one tenth of your treasure in exchange for what I'm going to tell you. The shepherd swore that he would. That's like how they say in church, like, just give me 10%. It's, it's, it's flowing in. I like it. The shepherd swore that he would. The old woman asked him to swear again while looking at the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's a dream in the language of the world, she said. I can interpret it, but the interpretation is very difficult. That's why I feel that I deserve a part of what you find. And that is my interpretation. You must go to the pyramids in Egypt. I have never heard of them, but if it but if it was a child who showed them to you, they exist. There, there you will find a treasure that will make you a rich man. The boy was surprised and then um, irritated. He didn't need to seek out the old woman for this, but then he remembered that he wasn't going to have to pay anything. <laughs> Facts. I didn't need to waste my time just for this, he said. I told you that your dream was a difficult one. It's the simple things in life that are the most extraordinary. Only wise men are able to understand them. And once I am not wise, I have to ha I have had to learn other arts, such as the reading of poems. Well, how am I going to get to Egypt? I only interpret dreams. I don't know how to turn them into reality. That's why I have to live off what my daughters provide me with. And what if I never get to Egypt? Then I don't get paid, she said. It, would be, it wouldn't be the first time. And the woman told the boy to leave, saying she had already wasted too much time with him. So the, so the boy was disappointed. He decided that he would never again believe in dreams. That's deep. He remembered that he had had a number of things he had to take care of. He went to the market for something to eat. He traded, right? He traded his book for one of that was thicker, and he found a bench in the plaza where he could sample the new wine he had bought. The day was hot, and the wine was refreshing. The sheep were, um, the sheep were at the gates of the city in a stable that belonged to a friend. The boy knew a lot of people in the city. That was made. That was what made traveling appeal to him. He always made new friends, and he didn't need to spend all of his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day, as he had happened with him, as as had happened with him at the seminary, they wind up becoming a part of that person's life, and then they want the person to change. If someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lives, but none about his or her own. Let's read that again. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should lead their lives, but none about his or her own life. That's deep, family. He decided to wait until the sun had sunk um, a bit lower in the sky before following his flock back through the fields. Three days from now, he would be with the merchant's daughter. That boy, look, he on a mission. 
a mission. You hear me? <laughs> he started to read the book he had bought. Um, on the very first page, it described a burial ceremony. And the names of the people involved were very difficult to pronounce. He, If he ever wrote a book, he thought he would present one person at a time so that the reader wouldn't have to worry about memorizing a lot of names. When he finally uh, was able to concentrate on what he was reading, he liked the book better. The burial was, a, uh, was on a snowy day, and he welcomed the feeling of being cold. As he read on, the old man sat down at his side and tried to strike up a conversation. What are they doing? The old man asked, pointing at the people in the plaza. Working, the boy answered dryly, making it look as if he wanted to concentrate on his reading. Actually, he was thinking about sharing his sheep in the front of the merchant's daughter. He got that daughter on his mind so that she could see that he was someone who was capable of doing difficult things. He had already imagined the scene many times. Every time the girl became fascinated when he explained that the sheep had to be sheared from back to front. He also tried to remember some good stories to relate as he sheared the sheep. Most of them he had read in books, but he would tell them as if they were from his personal experience. All right, don't get the lions to shorty now. All right, we don't do that. She would never know the difference because she didn't know how to read. Meanwhile, don't take advantage of her either, playboy. Come on, Santiago. You was on the right path, bro. Meanwhile, the old man persisted in his attempt to strike up a conversation. He said that he was tired and thirsty and asked if he might have a sip of the boy's wine. The boy offered his bottle, hoping that the old man would leave him alone. But the old man wanted to talk and asked the boy what book he was reading, right? He asked him what book he was reading. Uh, hold on one second. Hold on, hold on. All right. Let's go back. All right. The boy was tempted to be rude and move to another bench, but his father had taught him to be respectful of the elderly. So he held out the book to the man for two reasons. First, that he himself wasn't sure how to pronounce the title. And second, that if the old man didn't know how to read, he would probably feel ashamed and decide of his own accord to change benches. Hmm, said the old man, looking at all sides of the book as if it were some strange object. This is an important book, but it's really irritating. The boy was shocked. The old man knew how to, how to read and had already read the book. And if the book was irritating, as the old man had said, the boy still had time to change it for another. It's a book that says the same thing almost all the other books in the world say. Continued the old man. It describes people's inability to choose their own personal legends. And it, and it ends up saying that everyone believes the world's greatest lie. What's the world's greatest lie, the boy asks, um, completely surprised? It's this, that, a certain point, that at a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what's happening to us, and our lives become controlled by fate. That's the world's greatest lie. That's never happened to me, said the boy. They wanted me to be a priest, but I decided to become a shepherd. 
Much better, said the old man, because you really like to travel. He knew what I was thinking. The boy said to himself, the old man, meanwhile, was leafing through the book without seeming to want to return it at all. The boy noticed that the man's clothing was strange. He looked like an Arab, which was not usual in those parts. Africa was only a few hours from Tarifa. One had only to cross the narrow straits by boat. Arabs often appeared in the city, shopping and chanting their strange prayers several times a day. Where are you from, the boy asked. From many places. No one can be from many places, the boy said. I'm a shepherd and I have been to many places, but I come from only one place, from a city near an ancient castle. That's where I was born. Well then, we could say that I was born in Salim or Salem. The boy didn't know where Salem was, but he didn't want to ask, fearing that he would appear ignorant. He looked at the people in the plaza for a while. They were coming and going, and all of them seemed to be very busy. So what is uh, uh, Salem like? He asked, trying to get some sort of clue. <laughs> it's like it's always been no clue yet, but he knew that Salem wasn't in Andalusia. If it were, he would already have heard of it. And what do you what do you do in Salem? He insisted. What do I do in Salem? The old man laughed. <laughs> well, I'm the king of Salem. Mm. People say strange things, the boy thought. Sometimes it's better to be with the sheep who don't say anything. And better still to be alone with one's books. They tell their incredible stories at the same, at the time when you want to hear them. But when you're talking to people, they sometimes, when you're talking to people, they say some things that are so strange that you don't know how to um, continue the conversation. My name is Melchizedek, said the old man. How many sheep do you have? Enough, said the boy. He could see that the old man wanted to know about more of his life well then we've got a problem i can't help you if you feel you've got enough sheep the boy was getting irritated he wasn't asking for help it was the old man who had asked for a drink of his wine and had started the conversation i feel like he talking to god y'all give me my book the boy said i had to i have to go and gather my sheep and get going Give me one-tenth of your sheep. That's that 10% again, said the old man, and I'll tell you how to find the hidden treasure. How'd he even know he was trying to find the hidden treasure? He talking to God, y'all. He talking to God right now. All right. Give me one-tenth of your sheep, said the old man, and I'll tell you how to find the hidden treasure. The boy remembered his dream, and suddenly everything was clear to him. The old woman hadn't charged him anything. But the old man, maybe he was her husband, was going to find a way to get much more money in exchange for information about something that didn't exist. The old man was probably a gypsy too. But before the boy could say something, the old man leaned over, picked up a stick, right, and began to write in the sand of the plaza. Right? Uh, something bright reflected from his chest with such intensity that the boy was momentarily blinded. With a movement 
that was too quick for someone his age, the man covered whatever it was with his cape. When his vision returned to normal, the boy was able to read that was able to read what the old man had written in the sand. He talking to God, y'all. He blinded him right quick, like 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 the flash from Men in Black, so he couldn't read what he was writing in the sand. There in the sand of the plaza of the small city, the boy read the names of his father and his mother and the name of the seminary he had attended. He read the name of the merchant's daughter, which he had which he hadn't even known, and he read things he had never told anyone. I am the king of Salem, the old man has said. Why would a king be talking with a shepherd? The boy asked, awed and embarrassed. For several reasons, but let's say that the most important is that you have succeeded in discovering your personal legend. The boy didn't know what a person's personal legend was. It's what you have always wanted to accomplish. Everyone, um, when they are young, know what their personal legend is. Okay, okay, getting somewhere. At that point... In their lives, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and to yearn for everything they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. That's deep, y'all. None of what the old man was saying made much sense to the boy, but he wanted to know what the mysterious force was. The merchant's daughter would be impressed when he told her about that. Oh, yeah, he, he gonna he gonna finesse him, you know, he, he gonna show what it do, baby. <laughs> it's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will, because this there is one great truth on this planet. Whoever you are or whatever it is that you do, when you finally want really want something, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on earth. I'm going to say that one thing, one, one more time. It's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will because there is one great truth on this planet. Whoever you are or whatever it is that you do, when you really want something, it becomes that it be, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on earth. That's deep, y'all. That's super deep. Even when all you want to do is travel or marry the daughter of a textile merchant, yes, or even search for treasure, the soul of the world is nourished by people's happiness. And also by unhappiness, envy, and jealousy to realize envy and jealousy to realize one's personal legend is a person's only real obligation. All things are one, and when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. They were both silent for a time, observing the plaza and the townspeople. It was the old man who spoke first. Why do you tend to flock? A sheep. Why do you tend a flock of sheep? Because I like to travel. The old man pointed to a baker standing in his shop window at one corner of the plaza. 
When he was a child, that man wanted to travel too, but he decided first to buy his bakery and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend a month in Africa. He never realized that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. He shouldn't have he shouldn't he should have decided to become a shepherd, the boy said. Well, he thought about that, the old man said. But bakers are more important people than shepherds. Bakers should have homes while shepherds sleep out in the open. Parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. Hmm. The boy felt a pain in his heart, thinking about the merchant's daughter. There was surely a baker in her town. Oh, shucks. Santiago felt like somebody else. That boy in there baking them rolls for her. You feel me? Or baking them, baking something else. <laughs> the old man continued. In the long run, what people think about shepherds and bakers become more important for them in their own personal legends. The old man leafed through the book and fell to reading a page he came to. The boy waited and then interrupted the old man just as he himself had been interrupted. Why are you telling me all this? Because you are trying to realize your own personal legend and you are at the point where you're about to give it all up. Wow. Let's continue. And that's when you always appear on the scene. Not always in this way, but I always appear in one form or another. Sometimes I appear in the form of a solution or a good idea. At other times, at other times, at a crucial moment, I make it easier for things to happen. There are other things I do too, but most of the time people don't realize I've done them. The old man related that the week before he had been forced to appear before a minor and had taken the form of a stone. The miner had abandoned everything to go mining for emeralds. For five years, he had been working a certain river and had examined hundreds of thousands of stones looking for an emerald. The miner was about to give it all up right at the point when, if he were to examine just one more stone, just one more, he will find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into a stone that rolled up to the miner's foot. The miner, with all of the anger and frustration of his five fruitless years, picked up the stone and threw it aside. But he had thrown it with such force that it broke the stone it fell upon. And there, embedded in the broken stone, was the most beautiful emerald in the world. Wow. People learn early in their lives what it is their reason for being, said the old man with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give up on it so early, too. But that's the way it is. The boy reminded the old man that he had said something about hidden treasure. Treasure is uncovered by the force of flowing water, and it is buried by the same currents, said the old man. If you want to learn about your own treasure... You will have to give me one-tenth of your flock. That's 10% again. What about one-tenth of my treasure? The old man looked disappointed. If you start out by promising what you don't even have yet, you'll lose your desire to work toward getting it. The boy told him that he had already promised to give one-tenth of his treasure to the gypsy. 
Gypsies are experts at getting people to do that, sighed the old man. In any case, it's good that you've learned that everything in life has its price. This is what the warriors of the light try to teach. The old man returned the book to the boy. Tomorrow, at this time, bring me a tenth of your flock, and I will tell you how to find the hidden treasure. Good afternoon. And he vanished around the corner of the plaza. The boy began and again to read his book, but he was no longer able to concentrate. He was tense and upset because he knew that the old man was right. He went over to the bakery and bought a loaf of bread, thinking about whether or not he should tell the baker what the old man had come from the uh, leaven at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. Nope, that's wrong what the old man has said about him. Sometimes it's better to leave things as they are, he thought to himself, and decided to say nothing. If he were to say anything, the baker would spend three days thinking about giving it all up, even though he had gotten used to the way things were. The boy could certainly resist causing that kind of anxiety for the baker. So he began to wander through the city and found himself at the gates. There were a small building there with the window of which people bought tickets to Africa. And he knew that Egypt was in Africa. Can I help you? Asked the man behind the window. Maybe tomorrow, said the boy moving away. If he, if he sold just one of his sheep, he had enough to get to the other shore of the strait. The idea frightened him. Another dreamer, said the ticket seller to his assistant, watching the boy walk away. He doesn't have enough money to travel. While standing at the ticket window, the boy had remembered his flock and decided he should go back to being a shepherd. In two years, he had learned everything about shepherding. He knew how to shear sheep, how to care for uh, pregnant ewes, and how to protect the sheep from wolves. He knew all the fields and pastures of Andalusia, and he knew what was the fair price for every one of his animals. He decided to return to his friend's stable by the longest route possible. As he walked past the city's castle, he interpreted his return and climbed uh, the store ramp that led to the top of the wall. From there, he could see Africa in the distance. Someone had once told him that it was from there that the Moors had come to occupy all of Spain. He could see almost the entire city from where he sat, including the plaza where he had talked with the old man. Curse the moment I met that old man, he thought. He had come to the town only to find a woman who could interpret his dream. Neither the woman nor the old man was at all impressed by the fact that he was a shepherd. There were solitary individuals who no longer believed in things and didn't understand the shepherds become attached to their sheep. He knew everything about each member in his flock. He knew which ones were lame, which one was was to give birth too much from now, and which were the laziest. He knew how to shear them how to uh, and how to slaughter them. If he ever decided to leave them, they would suffer. The wind began to pick up. He knew that when people, uh, he knew that when people called it the Levanter because it, because on it, the Moors had come from the Levant 
at the eastern end of the Mediterranean. The Levanter increased in intensity. Here I am between my flock and my treasure, the boy thought. He had to choose between something he had become accustomed to and something he wanted to have. There was also the merchant's daughter, but she wasn't as important as his flock because she didn't depend on him. Maybe she didn't even remember him. He was sure that it made no difference to her on which day he appeared. He already given up, y'all. For her, every day was the same. And when every day is the same at the ne as the next, it becomes people. It, it's because people fail to recognize the good things that happen in their lives every day that the sun rises. I left my father, my mother, and the town castle behind. They have gotten used to my being away, and so have I. The sheep will get used to my not be being there too, the boy thought. From where he sat, he could observe the plaza. People continued to come and go from the baker's shop. A young people, a young couple sat on the bench where he had talked with the old man and they kissed. That baker, he said to himself without completing the thought. The Levanter was still getting stronger, which is the wind, and he felt its force on his face. That wind had brought the moors, yes, but it had also brought the smell of the dessert and, and of veiled women. It had brought with it the sweet the sweat and the dreams of men who had once left to search for the unknown and for gold and adventure and for the pyramids. The boy felt jealous of the freedom of the wind and saw that he could have the same freedom. Come on, bro. You can do it. There was nothing to hold him back except himself. And that's a fact. The sheep, the merchant's daughter and the fields of Andalusia were only steps along the way to his personal legend. Now you realize this, Santiago. Let's go. The next day, the boy met the old man at, a, at noon. He brought six sheep with him. I'm surprised, the boy said. My friend bought all the other sheep in the, immediately. He said that he had always dreamed of being a shepherd and that it was a good omen. That's the way it always is, said the old man. It's called the principle of favorability. When you play your cards the first time, you're almost sure to win. Beginner's luck. Why is that? Because there is a force that wants you to realize your personal legend. It whets your appetite with the taste of success. Then the old man began to inspect the sheep and he saw that one was lame. The boy explained that it wasn't important since that sheep was the most intelligent of the flock and produced the most wool. Where is this treasure, he asked. It's in Egypt, near the pyramids. The boy was startled. The old woman had said the same thing, but she hadn't charged him anything. In order to find the treasure, you will have to follow the omens. God has prepared a path for everyone to follow. You just have to read the omens that he left for you, okay? All right. I'm trying to see if I want to continue or stop there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We can, we can continue. You just have to read the omens that he left for you, all right? 
Before the boy could reply, a butterfly appeared and fluttered between him and the old man. He remembered something his grandfather had once told him, that butterflies were a good omen, like crickets and like grasshoppers, like lizards and four-leaf clovers. That's right, said the old man, able to read the boy's thoughts. Just as your grandfather taught you, these are good omens. The old man opened his cape, and the boy was struck by what he saw. The old man wore a breastplate of heavy gold covered with precious stones. The boy recalled the brilliance he had noticed on the previous day. He really was a king. He must be disguised to avoid encounters with thieves. Take these, said the old man, holding out a white stone and a black stone that had been embedded at the center of the breastplate. A white stone and a black stone. So he had a breastplate on. So he was walking around with his crystals on. Okay. They are called Urim and Thummim. The black signifies yes and the white no. When you are unable to read the omens, they will help you to do so. Always ask an objective question. But if you can try to make your own decisions, the treasure is at the pyramids that you already knew. But I had to insist on the payment of six sheep because I helped you to make your decision. Wow. Five, 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 y'all. This is getting real. The boy put the stones in his pouch. From then on, he would make his own decisions. Don't forget that everything you deal with is only one thing and nothing else. And don't forget the language of omens. And above all, don't forget to follow your personal legend. Through its conclusion. But before I go, I want to tell you a little story. A certain shopkeeper sent his son to learn about the secret of happiness from the wisest man in the world. The lad wandered through the desert for 40 days and finally came upon a beautiful castle high atop a mountain. It was there that the wise man lived. Rather than finding a saintly man, though our hero, on entering the main room of the castle, saw a hive of activity. Tradesmen came and went. People were conversing in the corners. A small orchestra was playing soft music, and there was able there was a table covered with pla uh, platters of the most delicious food in the part of the world. I'm trying to be there. They got it popping over there. The wise man conversed with everyone, and the boy had to wait for two hours before it was his turn to. Uh, to be given the man's attention. The wise man listened attentively to the boy's explanation of why he had come, but told him that he didn't have time just to um, just then to explain the secret of happiness. He suggested that the boy look around the palace and return in two hours. Meanwhile, I want to ask to you to do something, said the wise man, handing the boy a teaspoon that held two drops of oil, as you wander around, carry this spoon with you without allowing the oil to spill. The boy began climbing and descending the many stairways of the palace, keeping his eyes fixed on the spoon. After two hours, he returned to the room where the wise man was. Well, asked the wise man, did you see the Persian tapestries that are hanging in my dining hall? Did you see the garden that it took the master gardener 10 years to create? Did you notice the beautiful parchments in my library? The boy was embarrassed and confessed that he had had 
that he had observed nothing. His only concern had been not to spill the oil that the wise man had entrusted to him. Wow, I see where he's going with this. Then go back and observe the marvels of my world, said the wise man. You cannot trust a man if you don't know his house. Relieved, the boy picked up the spoon and returned to his exploration of the palace, this time observing all of the works of art on the ceiling and the walls. He saw the gardens, the mountains all around him, the beauty of the flowers, and the taste with which everything had been selected. Upon returning to the wise man, he related in detail everything he had seen. But where are the drops of oil I entrusted to you? Asked the wise man, looking down at the spoon he held. The boy saw that the oil was gone. Well, there is only one piece of advice I can give you, said the wisest of wise men. The secret of happiness is to see all the marvels of the world and never to forget the drops of oil on the spoon. The shepherd said nothing. He had understood the story the old king had told him. A shepherd may like to travel, but he should never forget about the sheep. The old man looked at the boy and with his hands held together, made several strange gestures over the boy's head. Then taking his sheep, he walked away. At the highest point of Tarifa, there is an old fort built by the Moors. From atop its walls, one can catch a glimpse of Africa. Malchizedek, the king of Salem, um, sat, at, sat on the wall of the fort that afternoon and felt the levanter blowing in his face. The sheep fidgeted nearby, uneasy with their new owner and excited by so much change. All they wanted was food and water. Malchizedek watched a small ship that was plowing its way out of the port. He would never again see the boy, just as he had never seen Abraham again, having charged him his one-tenth fee. That was his work. The gods should not have desires because they don't have personal legends. But the king of Salem hoped desperately that the boy would be successful. It's too bad that he's quickly going to forget my name, he thought. I should have repeated it to him for him. Then when he spoke about me, he would say that I am Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He took to the skies, feeling a bit um, abashed and said, I know it's the vanity of vanities, as you said, my lord. But an old king sometimes has to take some pride in himself. How strange Africa is, that thought the boy. He was sitting in a bar very much like the other bars. He had been along the narrow streets of uh, Tangier. Some men were smoking from a gigantic pipe that they passed from one to another. In just a few hours, he had seen men walking hand in hand, women with their faces covering and priests that climbed to the top of the tower and chanted, as every, everyone about him went to their knees and placed their foreheads on the ground. A practice of infidels, he said to himself. As a child in church, he had always looked at the image of St. Santiago, uh, Marmoras, on his white horse, his four unsheathed, and figures such as the kneeling at his feet. The boy felt ill and terribly alone. 
The infidels had an evil look about them. Besides this, in the rush of his travels, he had forgotten a detail that a detail, just one detail, which could keep him from the treasure for a long time. Only Arabic was spoken in this country. The owner of the bar approached him, and the boy pointed to, uh, to a drink that had been served at the next table. It turned out to be a bitter tea. The boy preferred wine, but he didn't need to worry about that right now. What he had to be concerned about was his treasure and how he was going to go about getting it. The sale of his sheep had left him with enough money in his pouch, and the boy knew that in money there was magic. Whoever has money is never really alone. Before long, many, many in his, um, before long, maybe in just a few days, he would be at the pyramids. An old man was a, with a breastplate of gold wouldn't have lied just to acquire six sheep. The old man had spoken about signs and omens, and, and as the boy was crossing the strait, he had thought about omens. Yes, the old man had known what he was talking about. During the time the boy had spent in the fields of Andalusia, he had become used to learning which path he should take by observing the ground and the sky. He had discovered that presence of a certain bird meant that a snake was nearby and that a certain shrub was a sign that there was water in the in the area. The sheep had taught him that, right? If God leads the sheep so well, he will also lead a man, he thought, and that made him feel better. The team seemed less the tea seemed less bitter. Who are you? He heard a voice ask him in Spanish. The boy was relieved. He was thinking about omens and someone had appeared. How come you speak Spanish? He asked. The new arrival was a young man in Western dress, but the color of his skin suggested he was from the city. He was about the same age and height as the boy. Almost everyone here speaks Spanish. We're only two hours from Spain. Sit down and let me treat you to something, said the boy, and asked for a glass of wine for me. I hate this tea. There is no wine in this country, the young man said. The religion here forbids it. The boy told him that he needed to get to the pyramids. He almost began to tell about his treasures, but decided not to do so. If he did, it was possible that the Arab would want a part of it as a payment for taking him there. Now he's using discernment, okay? He remembered that the old man had said about offering something you didn't even have yet. I'd like you to take me there if you can. I can pay you to serve as my guide. Do you have any idea how to get there? The newcomer asked. The boy noticed that the owner of the bar stood nearby listening attentively to their conversation. He felt uneasy at the man's presence but he had found a guy and didn't want to miss out on an opportunity. You have to cross the entire Sahara Desert, said the young man, and to do that, you need money. I need to know whether you have enough. The boy thought it a strange question, but he trusted the old man who said that when you really want something, the universe always conspires in your favor. He took his money from his pouch and showed it to the young man. The owner of the bar came over and looked as well. The two men exchanged some words in Arabic, and the bar owner seemed irritated. Let's get out of here, said the new arrival. He wants us to leave. The boy was relieved. He got up to pay the bill, but the owner grabbed him and began to speak uh, to him in an angry stream of words. 
The boy was strong and wanted to retaliate, but he was in a foreign country. His new friend pushed the owner aside and pulled the boy outside with him. He wanted your money, he said. Tangier is not like the rest of Africa. This is a port, and every port has its thieves. The boy trusted his new friend. He had helped him out in a dangerous situation. He took out his money and counted it. He could get to the pyramids by tomorrow, said the other talking, taking money. But I have to buy two camels. All right. They walked together through the narrow streets of the Tangier. Everywhere there were stalls with items for sale. They reached the center of a large plaza where the market was held. There were thousands of people there, arguing, selling, and buying. Vegetables for sale amongst daggers and carpets displayed alongside tobacco. But the boy never took his eyes off his new friend. After all, he had all his money. He thought about asking him to give it back, but decided that would be unfriendly. He knew nothing about the customs of the strange land he was in. All right? I'll just watch him, he said to himself. He knew he was stronger than his friend. Suddenly there in the midst of all the, that confusion, he saw the most beautiful sword he had ever seen. The scabbard was embossed in silver and the handle was black and encrusted with precious stones. The boy promised himself that when he returned from Egypt, he would buy that sword. And that's a picture of the sword right there. That's the picture of the sword right there. All right. Ask the owner of that stall how much the sword cost, he said to his friend. Then he realized that he had been distracted for a few moments looking at the sword. His heart squeezed as if he his chest and suddenly compressed it. He was afraid to look around because he knew he would feel he, what he would find. He could continue to look at the beautiful sword for a bit longer until he summoned the courage to turn around. All around him was the market with people coming and going, shouting and buying, and the aroma of strange foods. But nowhere could he find his new companion. The boy wanted to believe that his friend had simply become separated from him by accident. He decided to stay right there and await his return. As he waited, a priest climbed to the top of a nearby tower and began his chant. Everyone in the market fell to their knees, touched their foreheads to the ground, and took up the chant. Then, like a colony of workers, ants, they dismantled their stalls and left. The sun began its departure as well. The boy watched it through its trajectory from some time until it was hidden behind the white houses surrounding the plaza. He recalled that when the sun had risen that morning, he was on another continent, still a shepherd with 60 sheep and looking forward to meeting with the girl. That morning, he had known everything that was going to happen to him as he walked through the familiar field. But now, as the sun began to set, he was in a different country, a stranger in a strange land where he couldn't even speak the language. He was no longer a shepherd, and he had nothing, not even the money to return start to start everything over. All this happened between sunrise and sunset, the boy thought. He was feeling sorry for himself and lamenting uh, the fact that his life could have changed so suddenly and so drastically, right? He was so ashamed that he wanted to cry. He had never even wept in front of his own sheep. 
but the marketplace was empty and he was far from home so he wept he wept because god was unfair and became this way uh became this was the way god repaid those who believed in their dreams when i had my sheep i was happy and i made those around me happy people saw me count on uh, coming and welcome me he thought but now i'm sad and alone I'm going to become bitter and distrustful of people because one person betrayed me. I'm going to hate those who have found their treasure because I never found mine. And I'm going to hold on to what I to what little I have because I'm too insignificant to conquer the world. He opened his pouch to see what was left in his possessions. Maybe there was a bit, of, bit left of the sandwich he had eaten on the ship. But well, all he found was the heavy book, his jacket, and the two stones the old man had given him. As he looked at the stones, he felt relieved for some reason. He had exchanged six sheep for two precious stones that had been taken from a gold breastplate. He could sell the stones and buy a return ticket, but those times uh, I'll be smart. But this time I'll be smarter, the boy thought, removing them from the pouch so he could put them in his pocket. This was a port town and he only and the only trustful thing his friend had told him was that the port towns are full of thieves now he understood why the owner of the bar had been so upset he was trying to tell him not to trust that man i'm like everyone else i see the world in terms of what i would like to see happen not what actually does he ran his fingers slowly over the stones sensing their temperature and feeling their surfaces they were his treasure just handling just handling them made him feel better they reminded him of the old man when you want something all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it he has said the boy was trying to understand the truth of what the old man had said there he was in the empty marketplace without a cent to his name with and with not a sheep to guard through the night but the stones were proof that he had met with a king, a king who knew of the boy's past. They're called the Yerim and the Thummim, and they can help you to read the omens. The boy put the stones back in the pouch and decided to do an experiment. The old man had said to ask very clear questions and to, I'm sorry, let's see, here we are. Two more pages. And to do that, the boy had to know what he wanted. So he asked if the old man's blessings were still with him. He took one out of the stones. It was yes. Am I going to find my treasure, he asked. He stuck his hand into the pouch and felt around for one of the stones as he did so. Both of them pushed through a hole in the pouch and fell to the ground. The boy had never even noticed that there was a hole in his pouch. He, he knelt down to find Yerim and Thummim, put them back in the pouch. But as he saw them lying there on the ground, another phase came to his mind. Learn to recognize omens and follow them, the old king had said. In omen, the boy smiled to himself. He picked up the two stones and put them back in his pouch. He didn't consider mending the hole. The stones could fall through any time they wanted. He had learned that there were certain things one shouldn't ask about, so not to flee from one's personal legend. I promised that I would make my own decisions, he said to himself. 
But the stones had told him that the old man was still with him, and that made him feel more confident. He looked around at the empty plaza again, feeling less desperate than before. This wasn't a strange place. It was a new one. After all, what he had always wanted was just that, to know new places. Even if never, even if he never got to the pyramids, he had already traveled farther than any shepherd he knew. Oh, if they only knew how different things are, just two hours by ship from where they are, he thought. Although his new world at the moment was just an empty marketplace, he had already seen it when it was teeming with life, teeming with life, and he would never forget it. He remembered the sword. It hurt him a bit to think about it, but he had never seen one like it before. As he mused about those things, he realized that he had to, he had to um, choose between thinking of himself as the poor victim of a thief and as an adventurer and as an adventurer in the quest of his treasure. I'm an adventurer looking for treasure, he said to himself. He was shaken into wakefulness by someone. He had fallen asleep in the middle of the marketplace and life in the plaza was about to resume. Looking around, he sought his sheep and then realized that he was in a new world. But instead of being saddened, he was happy. He no longer had to seek out food and water for the sheep. He could go in search of his treasure. Instead, he had not a cent in his pocket, but he had faith. He decided he had decided the night before that he would be as much an adventurer as the one he had admired in books. He walked slowly through the market. The merchants were assembling their stalls, and the boy helped a candy seller to do this. The candy seller had a smile on his face. He was happy, aware of what his life was about, and ready to begin a day's work. His smile reminded the boy of the old man, the mysterious old king he had met. This candy merchant isn't making candy, so the later so that later he can travel or marry a, a shopkeeper's daughter. He's doing it because it was it's what he wants to do, thought the boy. He realized that he can do the something the old man had done since whether since whether a person I'm sorry y'all it's getting good since whether a person was near to or far from his personal legend. Just by looking at them, it's easy, and yet I've never done it before, he thought. When the stall was assembled, the candy seller offered the boy the first sweet he had made for the day. The boy thanked him, ate it, and went on his way. When he had gone only a short distance, he realized that while they were erecting the stall, one of them had spoken Arabic and, and the other Spanish, and they had understood each other perfectly well. There must be a language that doesn't depend on words, the boy thought. I've already had the experience with my sheep, and now it's happening with people. He was learning a lot of new things. Some of them were things that he had already experienced and weren't really new, but that he had had never perceived before. And he hadn't perceived them because he had become accustomed to them. He realized, if I can learn to understand this language without words, I can learn to understand the world. Relaxed and unhurried, 
he resolved that he would walk through the narrow streets of Tangier. Only, only in that way would he be able to read the omens. He knew it would require a lot of patience, but shepherds know all about patience. Once again, he saw that in, a, in that strange land, he was applying the same lessons he had learned with his sheep. All things are one, the old man had said. The crystal merchant awoke with the, uh, the day and felt the same anxiety that he felt every morning. He had been in the same place for 30 years, a shop at the top of a hilly street where, he, where few customers passed. Now it was too late to change anything. The only thing he had ever learned to do was to buy and sell crystal glassware. There had been a time when many people knew of his shop. Arab merchants, French and English geologists, German soldiers who were always well healed. In those days, it had, it had been wonderful to be selling crystals. And he had thought how he would become rich and have beautiful women at his side as he grew older but at time but as time passed the tangier had changed the nearby city of C Suetta Suetta Suta Suta the nearby city of Suta had grown faster than tangier and business had fallen off neighbors moved away and there remained only a few small ships on the hill and no one was uh, going to climb the hill just to browse through a few small shops but the crystal merchant had no choice. He had lived thirty. He had lived thirty years of his life buying and selling crystal pieces, and now it was too late to do anything else. He spent the entire morning observing the infrequent coming and going in the street. He had done this for years and knew the schedule of everyone who passed. But just before lunchtime, a boy stopped in front of the shop. He was dressed normally, but the practiced eyes of the crystal merchant could see that the boy had no money to spend. Nevertheless, the merchant decided to delay his lunch for a few minutes until the boy moved on. A card handing in the doorway announced that several languages were spoken in the shop. The boy saw a man appear behind the counter. I can clean up those glasses in the window if you want, said the boy. The way they look now, nobody is going to want to buy them. The man looked at him without responding. In exchange, you could give me something to eat. The man, the man still said nothing, and the boy sensed that he was going to have to make a decision. In his pouch, he had his jacket. He certainly wasn't going to need it in the desert. Taking the jacket out, he began to clean the glasses. In half an hour, he had cleaned all the glasses in the window, and as he was doing so, two customers had entered the shop and bought some crystal. When he had completed the cleaning, he asked the man for something to eat. Let's go and have some lunch, said the crystal merchant. He put a sign on the door, and they went to a small cafe nearby. As they sat down at the only table in the place, the crystal merchant laughed. You didn't have to do any cleaning, he said. The Corin uh, requires me to feed a hungry person. Uh, well then, why did you let me do it? The boy asked, because the crystal was dirty and both you and I needed to cleanse our minds of negative thoughts. When they had eaten, the merchant turned to the boy and said, I like you to work in the shop. Two customers came in today while you were working and that's, that's a good omen. People talk a lot about omens, thought the shepherd, but they really don't know what they're saying. 
just as I hadn't realized that for so many years I had been speaking a language without words to my sheep. Do you want to go to work for me? The merchant asked. I can work for the rest of the day, the boy answered. I'll work all night until dawn and I'll clean every piece of crystal in your shop. In return, I need money to get to Egypt tomorrow. The merchant laughed. Even if you clean my crystal for an entire year, even if you earned a good commission selling every piece, you will still have to borrow money to get to Egypt. There are thousands of uh, there are thousands of kilometers of desert between here and there. There was a moment of silence so profound that it seemed the city was asleep. No sound from the bazaars, no arguments among the merchants, no men climbing to the towers to chant, no hope, no adventure, no old kings or personal legends, no treasure and no pyramids. It was as if the world had fallen silent because the boy's soul had. He sat there, staring blankly through the door of the cafe, wishing that he had died and that everything would end forever at that moment. The merchant looked anxiously at the boy. All the joy he had seen that morning had suddenly disappeared. I can give you the money you need to get to your country, my son, said the uh, crystal merchant. The boy said nothing. He got up adjusted his clothing, and picked up his pouch. I'll work for you, he said. And after another long silence, he added, I need money to buy some sheep. Wow. All right. That was that was part one, family. That was part one out of Alchemist. Uh, this book is really good, man. I, I really feel like I'm going to enjoy this read. Um, from what I've learned from this, man, um, you know, sometimes... You have to uh, follow your dreams. Uh, sometimes you have to, you know, not be so stubborn um, in, in feeling like what you're doing is your end-all, be-all. Uh, sometimes you need to uh, know when uh, God sends uh, people your way so that you can reach whatever goal you're trying to reach. Or if you're just, you know, needing a um, a pick-me-up or, or a message, um he will present them to you. Um, but it also showed me that, you know, sometimes we can fall short by allowing people to, you know, deter us from our dreams um, and, and make us feel like we're we're not uh, capable enough of, of getting there or, or following our dreams. You know, just like how this the end of uh, part one read, you know, this boy, he, he knew he was going to be a shepherd and then he met God from my opinion. And God told him like, this isn't your last stop. You know, this isn't the only thing that you will be doing in life. You have so much more in your personal legend, right? In your personal self um, that's going to take you so many different places. So he started following his dream, right? And then he ended up meeting this crystal merchant who, who, who you know, kind of, you know, discouraged him in a sense by telling him like, yo, it's too far. I don't have the money to get you all the way to Egypt, but I can get you back home. And, you know, just from that, the boy reverted back to his mind of feeling like, damn, like, well, I'll just go back to go buy my sheep. You feel what I'm saying? And it's just like, for me personally, like never let, you know, never let anybody kill your dreams, man. Follow what God has for you. You know what I'm saying? Follow your purpose. Follow your own personal legend. Um, anything that you place on your heart and your soul and your mind, that God places on your heart, soul, and your mind, trust and believe that. 
You feel what I'm saying? We're going to go through ups and downs just like the stock market. But just like the stock market, it always has its ups. You feel what I'm saying? It's going to have its downs, but it always has its ups. So, you know, just just hone in on that. You know, be be thankful of uh, the good times and the bad times because they're just going to teach you lessons. You feel what I'm saying? They're just going to teach you lessons about yourself. Um, they're going to continue to uh, mold you and, and, and help you become uh, the person that you so desire to be. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I tend to read this uh, daily, uh, if possible, around the same time, five o'clock ish, um, depending on what I have going on that day. But um, other than that, man, um, this was a good read. I, I really am going to enjoy reading this. Um, you know, just continue to tap in with me, family, as we go through this reading. Um, continue to, you know, ask questions or share your thoughts on what you feel um, or what you're gaining from the read. And let's continue to work together, man. Continue this uh, this community together. Continue this movement together. Um, I love y'all and I thank y'all for, you know, for tapping in with me. Um, I know it was, it was a long read, you know, an hour and 45, but we did it. And, um, you know, this is this is about, again, educating, motivating and enlightening our people um, on ways to invest in themselves. And this is definitely a way to invest in, in yourself by, you know, reading these different books that educate us on being the best version of ourselves. So uh, with that being said, man, continue to like, comment, share and subscribe, like, comment, share, subscribe. Um, we're going to continue this reading throughout the days. Uh, I don't know how many chapters. How many chapters do we have? We had. We have about. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see how many chapters. Uh, let's go forward. Let's see. Oh, you don't really. It doesn't really. See. Hey, hold on. So that's part two. Am I missing something? Anyways, it's it's a few parts in this book. Um, it's a good read. Um, remember, someone has to see a greatness. Why not start with yourself? Stay blessed, always finesse, definitely trust the most highest process, the true keys to success. Continue to hit that link in the bio to tap in with the brand, all the things that we have coming. Um, continue to hit the affiliate links to tap in with the few brands that I am associated with. Butterfly Corporation LLC for sure. We'll tap in and cop some of the wifey's uh, notebooks. She has her affirmation notebooks. Um, these are a few that I have personally. You feel me? You got the words you speak become the house you live in. Speak and manifest life into you uh, to the wind. Then you got believe, uh, being alive is the special occasion. Spread your rings and prepare to fly, for you have become a butterfly. And then I have, where's my other one? It's over there, you know. It says, um, a new era of me. You feel me? Um, and they all have, like, affirmations. Um, they all have, like, angel numbers on them. And they're just dope, man. Uh, amazing quality. Amazing quality. You feel me? Amazing quality books. Got her logo back there. You feel me? Um, but other than that, man, I love y'all. Enjoy this time with y'all. Just like um, I hope you guys enjoyed this time with me. And we're going to continue to tap in. So with all that being said, 
Peace to the guys. Peace to the most high. Peace to y'all. I love y'all. I thank y'all. And I'll see y'all till next time. Spread love. I'm out.